Hey team, welcome back and welcome to episode 39 of Transition Talk, where we talk about dental transitions and how to navigate the sometimes messy path to practice ownership. So there are unique factors about each specialty that can impact a potential transition. In episode 25, we talked about ortho, 28, we covered pedo, and in episode 31, we covered the endo transition. But today we're going to spend our time discussing the periodontal transition. So as a referral-based business, there are definitely risks you have to consider. The procedure mix can vary quite a bit in these period transitions, so the buyer's ability and speed come into play. There, of course, is no one rule or any formula for any transition, including the specific factors of your transition. But the rule here for us always, if you've listened to any episode, is do you like and do you love it? Does it fit what you want? And if you can say yes, then we can move into diligence and try to support your decision. But before we get there, let's dive into a good old perio transition. And before we get there, let's talk about what's going on. Hello, Miss Ratcliffe. Hello. What's going on in the Ratcliffe household? How's Chris? How's the kids? Uh, we have like a new family member, I think, is going to be joining. We do. We are have you, confirmed. Are you pregnant? Are you going to announce I am your pregnancy? not pregnant. Okay. <laughs> Chris, who never listens to this podcast, can now release his breath. Okay. Um, no, we are getting confirmed. I think I mentioned it on a previous episode, but confirmed we are getting a puppy. You looked online, you picked the one on the right, this is the one we're getting. We were placed with a puppy. Placed. Yeah, placed. it felt very hoity-toity with my placement, but yes. we got a puppy, we have a pickup date, we scheduled the training, and now every time I see a shoe on the floor, I'm like, well, that can't happen anymore. <laughs> so I'm just adjusting to life with soon-to-be-a-puppy. I'm get in the right mind frame. Excellent. Now that I have children who can wipe themselves, I'm going to get a dog that can't. I'm pretty pumped about that. Yes, congratulations. <laughs> we had a big moment at the Loretto household, bonus kid number two, I guess, number four in the pecking order. He's uh, 15, about ready to be 16, and he is ready for his car. Freedom! So he learned how to test drive the Ford Focus, and that's what he wanted. Did not, could not see out of that box. <laughs> I'm like, you can go to Fusion, we can get the Civic, we can get the Accord, Nope. nope. Give me the focus. Sweet little kid. He's like sitting in the driveway, programming everything. He goes out and just starts the car, moves it a little bit, has read the manual forward and backwards, opens the hood. He hand washes it. Oh, so totally not like me who still is like, oh, didn't know my car could do that. <laughs> Weird. Oh, my gosh. We go to the store and buy the cleaning stuff for it. Uh, hey, let's go here. It's over the top. It's like the That's other three. amazing. He's very, very appreciative of the automobile. And for the record, Roxanne and I will be very appreciative when he gets his license yeah, so he can say, drive on his own. Yeah, yeah, that is a level of freedom that I can only fathom one day in the future. Yes, yes. <laughs> Long way out, girlfriend. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, let's get going on this. We have some good travel coming up. It's yeah. a very busy season. Yeah, Lots of speaking yeah. happening. So you have a good lineup. I'm part of some of it and staying here to keep things in order here. Yeah, yeah. So we just got back from the Yankee and Rocky Mountain meeting. Those were so outstanding. Fun. And so we spoke through a number of topics. So we got the ASDA meeting coming up. We've got the Hendon meeting. We've got four lectures there. Now you're going to come to kind of hang out there and you're read some questions. Read some uh, off questions. And get you involved there. Got AAE Indo meeting, AECD. We've got the AAO meeting coming up. Super excited about speaking at a lot of these events and just, you know, sharing the word, girl. Yeah, figuring out how to transition, buy and sell. Yep, good stuff. Well, good. We're going to focus all today on perio. This is actually a request from one of you. We've done three other specialties that are kind of touched on, and someone said, can I please have a perio episode? Yes. So that's what we're going to do today. So first, let's just start. Basic question, big open question. What makes the perio transition different from the other specialties 
maybe let's start with GP. Yeah. So from a, just from a perio standpoint, it is by far, you know, in a buyer's market. If you, mm-hmm. all you got to do For is sure. go to the AAP website and just to figure out that there are a vast majority of these selling doctors, they're desperate, mm-hmm. literally desperate looking for young periodontal residents. So you have to know that as a resident going in. Established doctors need to know as well, you're blessed, you're fortunate, you find somebody. Now, there's always the unique circumstances and location, and we'll talk about kind of geographic area a little bit later, but in the end, this is a 100% buyer's market, you know, compared to like a GP market where you're getting 6,000 students, you know, in residence, you know, coming out, if it's a military AGD program or something like that, and there's just this vast majority mm-hmm. of people are just, you can get three or four different people to maybe apply for a position like super quick or a saturated or ortho field. Definitely that buyer perspective for surgery, for perio, and for my pedos for sure. So that's my first thought. Yeah, and I think for me too, we hear a lot that there's two different types of perio, and we'll talk about this in a second, but one that's more hygiene heavy and one that's more doctor heavy. So I think that also makes it harder to transition because one of the big questions is like, can the buyer, or you as a buyer, can you do the work of whatever practice that you're going to kind of take over? And that is kind of one of the big pieces is, can you actually do the work? Can you do the procedure mix? Are you comfortable with the level of procedures? And what we often see in these practices, and I think the Kane Waters How Your Practice Compare book says that the average one doctor practice they have is roughly 1.9 in collections. So from a size perspective, that's a lot of work, right? So if I'm a resident coming out, the chances of me being able to take that over, not only from a referral and and relationship standpoint, but just from a speed standpoint too. So there's that, we have to get into that and make that happen. Yeah, so I've seen some some huge variations on this. Obviously, one of the nice things we get to see is we'll have a vision for maybe working with established periodontists and we're going to bring in a young resident coming into the practice and we'll build this model out. You know, say it's a $2 million perio practice and, and we're forecasting that the, the practice is going to do 2-2 and 2-5 or whatever. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we're updating that client we're working with the established doctor is getting their doctor production provider numbers. So it's pretty cool to see how quickly the young periodontists can yeah. build their production up, but obviously there's going to be extremes. There's going to be the extreme that the third-year perio resident comes out absolutely has just kills it and there's yep. ones that are slower we're looking at the production provider reports like hey what's going on it has a lot to do with in these partnerships is the senior doctor actually turning over the relationships Big and the referral sources yeah. is the senior doctor just kind of holding on to everything mm-hmm. so it's not perfect you know mm-hmm. I, I can tell you this but for the most part the periodontists that are coming out they're well trained they do have that capability of running a million nine practice and we don't need that long to get them there as long as the demand is there so mm-hmm. if you took over a million nine practice in a one-year period and that senior guy phased out or gal and phased out and transitioned to you then i wouldn't see a problem with that a gp comparatively you know, it'd be very difficult, not impossible for a GP to be able to come out of a four-year program and get in that. It would take years, maybe a decade before they can get up to their doctor production up to maybe, you know, 120, 130,000 a month or something like that. Yeah. I talked to Perio today, about to graduate, wife in residency too, looking at a practice. And I told him the two main things you have to focus on is getting enough money saved because he's going to do an associateship and then buy in. Like, great. You need to save 
and have the money from a liquidity standpoint, and then you need to be able to show that you can do the work. So if your seller is on board and wants to sell in one year, they should be on board with getting you and keeping you as productive as possible so you can prove to the bank that I can do this. Here's what my production shows, and they're going to be happy to give you the money. And this this referral-based business, it's certainly made some shifts over the last couple of decades that, that, that I've seen is the old days of just marketing to your referral source, but you know the new strategy is marketing directly to your patients. And so again, anytime for our listeners, in this case buyers, if you're looking at these practices, you've got to be able to look at the business. I always refer to it as the stock. Look inside the stock, in this case for Perio, look to see who the referral sources are, kind of go the A, B, C, and D type referral sources. Look to see who those people are. Look to see what type of marketing plan that is in place that's being executed out to those patients. You gotta look at space. There's lots of different things. You're trying to basically make the bet. Mm-hmm. Is the perio practice stock gonna go up with you in it if we're gonna basically try to grow it with somebody. So depending on which side of the equation we're working with, established doctors or doing a joint relationship or a buyer, you certainly wanna be able to make some conservative projections about where the practice is gonna go. And then I think one of the things that I think that we do a good job and your team does a good job with Christy is is really, I call them calculated projections Mm -hmm. versus just, hey, let's just randomly grow 10%. How is this practice going to grow 10 Tell me what you're going to do. Yeah, or being conservative and saying, like, maybe you grow 10%, but let's make your decision based on no growth because worst case scenario, that's what we need to look at. In that case, maybe we've got the operatories are going to be smaller. Maybe mm-hmm. we've, we've, the guy or gal's already doing amazing marketing. Maybe, you know, we've got a very small hygiene pool. Maybe it's in a super competitive yeah. area. You know, something unique like that, that mm-hmm. absolutely we want to be more on the conservative route. Yeah. And I think for me, from a growth perspective, too, I always want to look if you're going into maybe a more established practice, also looking at that referral base and saying, okay, well, who are your referring dentists? And then what are their ages? more than likely they're going to be the same age as your established doctor. So is there an option to go in there now, even if they do have a robust referral program, go in there and figure out, okay, who are the younger doctors that maybe aren't that I can appeal to more? If you're a woman and you're going in, maybe there are women referrals that you can kind of gather. So really just going in and being smart about it. If it's partnership and like, what can I add a value while also transitioning some from the senior doctor? Yeah. I've used this example in other lectures in the past is I remember this was maybe a decade ago where this young Korean periodontist female was asking me about a practice and it was in the Seattle area. And there's obviously a huge Korean population in the Seattle area and she was gonna be the only Korean female periodontist. I was like very niche niche there. And then, but there are other Korean, in this example, dentists and obviously community. So, so it's perfect. Mm-hmm. It's perfect for her to either A, start a practice from scratch or maybe make the argument there for her or if she was gonna partner with somebody that would be the value that she would bring to that relationship slash to that community. So you definitely have to kind of look at that from what you personally bring into the table. It could be the age, it could be a gender, or it could be a connection to mm-hmm. either a religious or just a different population. Absolutely. We're kind of shifting gears slightly. One of the things I hear about related to the referral market is if it's a referral-based business like Perio is, then the value is automatically much lower. And I can understand where that thought process comes from, but going back to kind of what we say, there's more risk in a referral-based business, right? Which is why the plan matters. 
matters. But the value of that business, right, depending on the plan, is still rooted in the profitability of the business. Mm -hmm. And so just because it's referral-based doesn't mean it's going to be 50% collections or whatever that low end of that range of that rule of thumb is. The range that we see is still in that rough 60 to 80%. Yes, and I said 80 because there are times when a good partnership perio and you're joining and there's lots of opportunity for growth, there's still a chance that that could be an 80%, a really high valuation if the profitability is good. So there's no special like if it's this specialty, it's automatically this, right? Like that doesn't happen. Yeah. I mean, look, if you're in, call it a market type environment, like a Seattle or something, and you're inside of a building and it's a $2 million perio practice with a 40% overhead and the owner nets $1.2 million and there's 50 GPs in the building that refer to you mm-hmm. and the practice price is one6 and you're like, well, this is a referral-based business and everything I'm reading online says this is overpriced or even 1.7, 85% of collections. Again, our job is to remove that emotion and say, well, okay, but show me another option where you're gonna purchase a perio practice, you've got the experience, you've been out, where you're gonna make a million dollars a year after debt service, because that's exactly what this practice is doing. You're netting 1.2, and pretty much after debt service, you're gonna be netting a million bucks. And you told me you're from Seattle, you told me you like the area, and I've got 50, you're gonna have to really be a bad period on us for this to work out. So there are times, even if we're working with a selling doctor, that I can make the argument that we can put a higher value. I got a practice right now in the, in the Southwest, and it's got everything brand new. A brand new finish out, brand new laser, the cone beams. It's got all the beautiful equipment. I mean, it's state of the art when you walk in. And you just simply have to be able to look at the whole picture. Mm-hmm. Be able to see the whole thing to say, okay, what percentage? And not just get hung up on a percentage. Yeah, absolutely. And there are times when it's a super rural area and you don't have a lot of options and there's not a lot of people that want to come. And even if your practice could potentially quote, quote, value at 80% because it's super profitable, you as a seller have to say, okay, well, what is my timeline? What is my risk? How much do I want to work back? Like what are all these factors, which then maybe could make the price lower than what it may be in a more urban area where there are more competition from a buyer yeah, standpoint. Yeah, I just, you can't get caught up on these percentages. you got to look at the overall situation and the cash flow to be able to dictate that this is a no-brainer. And Perio, there's so many different factors, and especially those referral-based relationships are critical, but you also got to be able to look at the marketing and what they're doing and what they're not doing and be able to say, I'm going to be able to bring that kind of to the equation because a lot of times, again, senior doctors, when they're making a lot of money, they get a little lazy. And so I get it. I understand. I'm certainly not in that same boat, but I can see how, you know, as I continue to do this for another 10 years, I can see how I want to deal with that person. (laughs) (laughs) No. No, no, no. I got to take it back. don't do that. I deal with everybody. Your new partner says you have to keep working really hard. So I think it's important. We talked about the variety of procedures and how a perio practice can have a varying mix of doctor heavy versus hygiene. And then even within the doctor, what types of procedures are you doing? Implants? Are you doing more surgical? What are you doing? And so I think that goes into the cost structure. So the average one doctor perio practice based on the how does your practice compare report that Kane Waters puts out annually, that was average of 53% for a one doctor perio. And I think that's clearly ideal and what all should strive to be. But I think most that I see kind of upwards of that 55, 60 range, I think that's probably more average kind of across the market. And so the things that are driving that, that we see are staff, clearly older practices, 
more staff, more tenured staff, and supplies and lab, right? Because that's going to be based on kind of that procedure mix. Clearly, the more costly supplies you're using, you know, even with the more profitable procedures, they're still kind of hitting that bottom line. Yeah, you'll see, you know, 17, 18% employee costs in our big prairie practices. But the biggest thing, like you said, are we using $400 implant or are we using a $100 implant? Yeah, the average supply cost is roughly 11.75 or 11.76, which is much higher than our general practices, even with those that may do implants or something more costly. Yeah, you have a bigger lab there, depending how you're categorizing things. And so... uh, the point is, is that these period practices can really, really have some just some various factors that can impact overhead. And so it's nice on these how does your practice compare report to be able to kind of benchmark you uh, kind of where you're at and then to be able to kind of see how your competitors are doing across the country. Yeah, and another big thing that's driving some increase in perio, and you touched on it earlier, is just the fact that there's a lot of perio that's being done in-house in a general practice, and then also the fact that there's the need to do that outside marketing versus kind of just the internal purely referral-based business is causing an increase in advertising and marketing. And so just understanding that, understanding where those costs, if you're a buyer that's looking into a perio practice, understanding where are they getting the patients from, what are they spending on those buckets and how is that going to impact you once you get there and that overall overhead? Yeah. So against just some of the major changes of the old guy here in the room, (laughs) you know, just seeing these like implant centers basically just pop up around the country now and seeing you're watching a television or even a big commercial. Um, There's a commercial on the Super Bowl yesterday, a local commercial of um, a big corporate chain in there. The model's like, you know, sexy teeth. And the point is, is that this corporation understands marketing. They understand the direct marketing to consumer strategy and works. They would not Uh have spent that money on that ad unless they know it would not work. And so corporate has definitely come in and proven that. What I would say to that is we just need to learn from it and learn that with the right calculated marketing investment that you can drive patients directly to you. So certainly in Perios, we want to build relationships with our Super 6 and our Great 8 GPs. It's certainly something of great importance, but you've also got to be able to have a balance there, especially as these maybe older doctors, something can happen to them, maybe they sell to corporate, they die, they become disabled, they stop referring to you. You've got to be able to mitigate that risk and you've got to be able to market directly to that patient. So it's super important you have that component in there. And it's, we're not talking a lot of dollars, I'm talking some 5% of some $2 million Mm-mm, practice. 2%. Yeah, a couple of percent. 1.5 too. You know, mm-hmm. we're talking $30,000, $40,000 of solid, really good cost-effective marketing that we can do to drive patients. Absolutely. So we spend a lot of time talking about kind of the bigger practices. So what if we are a buyer or a seller and looking to kind of either transition or buy one of those smaller perio practices? What are some opportunities or things you should look for in those practices to say, okay, this is something I can buy and grow or make it that, you know, 1.9. Well, I mean, uh, to me, I'm up just looking at, you know, it's kind of like going back to that Nancy Drew episode where we're just doing chart audits. Mm-hmm. I just want to dive in to see that these established doctors, are they grinding or are they coasting, you know? And I'm looking ideally for the coaster. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking for them that... A lot of times you might find the senior guy placing little to no implants. Maybe there's no marketing. Maybe that's external to the patients directly or to my referral sources. So I'm looking at their technology. I'm looking at their layout. I'm looking at, I'm almost looking at it as an advantage when the systems are not there. I like it when the front desk person maybe doesn't have the best phone skills. Mm-hmm. I like it if the guy or gal is not marketing. I like it sometimes if it's a smaller practice. Maybe I can buy that practice 
and incorporate that practice into my current practice from a growth standpoint, or I may be able to invest in that and, and expand you know, and mm-hmm. grow it. In the end, I want, as I would encourage you, either as an established doctor or a young periodontist, if we're going to make an investment in one of these smaller type period practices. We want to be able to interview you thoroughly to see if this, this makes sense. This could be a diamond in a rough and you know it's going to truly blow up or it could be a major investment that's going to take a long time to get a return on your investment. We've covered a lot of ground. So we've talked about overhead. We've talked about the referral relationships. We've talked about valuation kind of rules of thumb and how they fit into those, even though most kind of would say maybe they might should fall out of it. What would you say, just kind of in summary, just kind of like one kind of piece of like little nugget of advice if someone, buyer, seller, looking to go into a transition of a perio practice? Are we talking to the seller or are we talking to the buyer? Let's go buyer first. Okay. So from a buyer standpoint, we certainly want to be able to know that you can do the work. Mm-hmm. So obviously, like love in the area. But if I'm buying the practice, I need to see just how big this is. And I need to see just my biggest thing is going to be my risk. So is this like a 55-year-old that's super connected, some quote-unquote god in the perio field? He or she's lecturing to all these places and people are coming from a hundred miles away to see him or her, then I'm much more nervous. And, mm-hmm. and so if that same guy or gal was trying to transition, this is somebody that you definitely want to would go from a partnership yep. standpoint. So my first thing is I'm just going to try to be a little bit cautious about the type of referral-based business that I'm buying. And I want absolute clarity that I can have a relationship with these five, six, seven, eight GPs. I want him or her to walk me. I want dinners included in those. You know, sometimes we can do joint dinners. I've been transitioned to the end of year. We did the Christmas mm-hmm. parties where they rolled everything out. I mean, I haven't really seen any fail, but, you know, I don't know all the deals that are out there, but I've certainly, from a buyer's perspective, want to challenge them the importance of that relationship and not just simply take it for granted on that referral side. What if I'm a selling doctor looking to transition my perio practice in the next, I don't know, year or so, and I have some time to plan? What's your advice to those people? So the other thing that is is interesting is I, I think that everyone is trying to keep this underneath the wraps. Like, like no, don't tell anybody, don't tell anybody, you know? And, and part of it is, look, if you're 60, I mean, I think it's kind of understood. Like we all know. 65, yeah. 67. It's coming. At some point, there's got to be a plan. Yeah. And so I think your staff is thinking about it. I think your referral base is thinking about it. Your patients are thinking about it. So I'd rather just be upfront and just say, if I find the right person, certainly I want to bring the person in so I can mentor them and transition this relationship. So depending on the size of the practice, I would absolutely say that, just developing a plan of how it's going to work, knowing how to interview the associate, maybe transition them in over a two, three, four day week period, over a one or two, three year period, I think is great. What I like about my perio field, if I did a transition like this, and so this would actually speak to both my buyer and my seller, is we could do this staggered sell. It doesn't have to mm-hmm. be immediate. We could do this over where you take somebody in and, and bring them in and maybe a couple of days a week, they work a couple of days a week at corporate. They can drive to make some good money. They're getting their clinical experience out. We're spending some time. We're doing those dinners. We're building that relationship in, in the community and to a point where they feel extremely confident. And then senior doctors taking a little bit more and more time off. And then we create how they buy in. It could be on a staggered sell of a third, a third, a third over like a, a three or four year period. Mm-hmm. If there's hesitancies from the buyer because this unique referral relationship, then I might go that strategy. 
And there's others even the seller because he's like 62 and he wants to do this until he's 65 and he quote unquote found the right person. Right. Then let's play with that. Let's stretch this out, but let's have really good, clear communication between the parties. And so the key is the right person. I know it has to work with the right time for my senior doctors. But just really developing just a really concrete plan and being open about it. Yeah, realistic expectations throughout this process of what can be achieved. Just lay it out. You know, here's my financials. Here's what I'm planning. Here's our transition plan. Here's where we're going to do the evaluation. And this is the company that's going to guide us through this so they don't mess it up. This is a super self-serving message because it's exactly what we do. But it's, it's important for if you're not using somebody like this that you're at least motivated to go get somebody else to guide you through it. Absolutely. Well, I think we've covered a good amount of ground in the perio world today. Yes. Yes. So that's all we've got. If you have an idea or wish to hear something from us on any topic in the dental transition world, shoot us a message, info at nationaldentalplacements.com. Remember to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Just search NDP. And until next week, have a great week. Christy, thank you. Awesome job. See you later. 